Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, September 29. Good manners are innate. They are born of respect, dignity, and kindness. Customs vary from country to country and from place to place. For those who travel widely, it is impossible to keep abreast of every convention one encounters. Much more important than trivia like table manners are attitudes that ennoble the spirit. I like the way he puts it. Good manners are innate. We tend to think that good manners are something that you learn. Which fork do I use? And so on like that. I've seen um, training courses for people who are coming up in the business world and perhaps have entered a social strata that they might not have been raised in. Um, or they're from another culture and they need to understand and you can be trained in what the conventions are of the society you're living in or the society you're trying to move into. So you can behave in such a way that your manner blends in. And I, I think such things are appropriate as long as they're done with a sincere attitude of graciousness, not uh, to be a social climber. So there, there's a place for behavior like that. Um, I know with Swami Kriyananda over the years, he was raised in a, with a formality and in an atmosphere which was not, not the same as my own. And I was, always, um, I was always happy to learn just sort of how to move through different strata of society in a comfortable way. But nonetheless, all of that, and Swami says if you travel a lot, as he has done, and now in my life I've been a few places, nothing like him, but I've been a few places, and you do realize that small things vary. But I've also observed from my own travel experience, and I think of a couple of travel companions that I've had over the years that are notable. I tend by nature to be somewhat uh, more silent, and I'm not the person, I mean, you might find that surprising, but what I mean is when I'm in a place where nothing is asked of me, I tend to withdraw into myself is more what I mean. Um, I'm not an extrovert in normal circumstances, but I've traveled with one woman in particular who is extremely extroverted, but more than extroverted, she has this marvelous egalitarian regard for all humanity and this extraordinary friendliness that I, I love traveling with her because wherever she is, she just sort of embraces the reality around her without the, slightest, without the slightest hesitation. She makes an assumption that she's welcome and she welcomes everyone. And not surprisingly, she is welcomed. I remember that we were traveling together. It was actually in Israel. We were on a pilgrimage together. And in order to get to, I think it must be, the Mount of Transfiguration, um, the, it's a small winding road and the big buses can't go up it. 
plus somebody has a concession in order to provide vans, so it's a, it's a dual thing. So you have to wait, and you have to get into a van, and you get into a 12-person van, and you're driven up this, like, less than 10 minutes up to the top of the mountain. Well, sometimes you, one, one group has its own van, and sometimes you're all mixed up, and I ended up with her, and it was mostly just the two of us and a group of Russian pilgrim, pilgrims, only a few of whom spoke English, and she spoke no Russian. But by the end of it, she was exchanging emails and phone numbers with the people on the, on the van, just because it was, here we are, we're all together, we're brothers and sisters, isn't this a great time, what can we share? And on the level of, you know, superficial things, it might be possible to say that she wasn't operating according to all the customs. But the, the, the good manners that she had was born of respect and kindness above all. Just why would, why would we not be the same and why would we not be friends? And I, I just learned, traveling with her in, in multiple countries, I just learned an immense amount about what our world needs in order to bring us together in ways that we just haven't been able to figure out how to come together. But again, I want to go back to this word innate. It's been a theme through all of these um, suggestions that run through this book. There's, there's, a, there's two aspects to every suggestion that is being made here. One is how we behave outward, or many of them, how we behave outwardly. But the outward behavior is the final expression of who and what we really are. In the Indian tradition, uh, they talk about three levels of reality, which is, uh, it, it's the Natan Dharma. It's the, it's the fundamental nature of the way creation works. And there's three levels, and it's, it's the causal, the astral, and the material. And there are actually three, three worlds in a very real sense. We live in the material world. When we leave our physical bodies, almost everyone goes into the astral world, which is the energy world. The movies these days make it clear to us what this is about. I mean, entertainment has been, fictional entertainment has actually been a big help in teaching us about reality because we've seen these movies, it's the theme so often, where somebody dies, but then as soon as the body dies, the same actor gets up and continues to interact or try to interact with the physical world, but now he's only an energy body, not a physical body, so he can't. He can't make things happen in the material world. He can't touch it. He can't influence it. He can't be heard. But he or she, their consciousness, their personality is still just there. They're still themselves. And the theme is always the dynamic uh, between those two forces playing itself out. But it's very true. And when we leave our physical body, um, according to what the Masters write, what Yogananda writes in Autobiography of a Yogi, Sri Yukteswar actually writes about it, is that in the astral world we have a body that looks very similar, recognizably to the one we had, except we always choose a youthful body. Almost everyone chooses a youthful body, which just in itself I find interesting, being an older woman myself and having to watch the cycle of recognizing that I'm just, I don't look the way I used to look. And my, fortunately my body works well, but still it doesn't quite respond. Um, watching me get up from sitting on the floor is quite a different view than it used to be when I was 25. I can still sit on the floor, 
the getting up is a little more challenging. But we, have, we make a youthful body because that's when our physical, our, di- our dynamism was at its highest. So we go to the astral world, we live in the energy world, we come back into the material. But above the astral world is the causal, which is the world of thought. And when we're talking about things manifesting in the material world, the material world is not the starting point. The material world is actually the end point. Everything begins with thought. That thought is activated with energy, and then that energy finally manifests in the material world if that's the direction that it's going. So by the time we see it here, we have two other levels of reality behind it. And so the thought of everything is where it begins, how much energy we apply to that thought to, to crystallize it and clarify it, and then to manifest it. So when we change our thoughts, we're actually at the origin point of who we express. So that's why Swamiji so often puts it back, not merely to what you do, but why you're doing it, what your concept is, what you're thinking about while you're doing it, and then how much energy you apply to make that happen. Acting in the material world is one of the ways that we can apply energy. So when he says something like good manners, you know, and it's not about trivia, it's innate because I have a sense of dignity, respect, and kindness to the world around me. You know, just to make this thought energy manifestation just a little more clear, I'm, li- I'm sitting in a house, you can see the corner of it, um, and I, because this house was built about 20 years ago and I've lived in this community for 30 years, uh, excuse me, this house would have been built 30 years ago now, um, I remember when the thought came to build this house. There was space on the property and the thought was there to build the house. And then energy was applied to that thought and that thought turned into a blueprint. And then energy was applied to a blueprint and it, it became a construction company that was looking at the blueprint. And then those um, builders, who happened also to be friends, then those builders put tremendous energy into the thought of the house, through the blueprint of the house, and now I sit in the house, and I've been living here for 12 years. But if, if the thought had not come to build this house, and if that thought had not been um, magnetized with energy, which was um, planning, money, and the physical, literally the physical hammers and, and nails of uh, the men and women who put the house up, it never would have happened. So when we're also striving to uh, change the way that we behave, and in the context of this book, to upgrade and refine, how we think about it is also tremendously important. And then, of course, whether or not many, many, many people can think beautiful thoughts, but only a few people who can think beautiful thoughts will then apply the energy required to bring those thoughts to a focus, and then to bring those thoughts into manifestation. And what Swamiji is trying to help us do here in this particular book by giving us one, uh, one thought a day or one uh, project a day to work on, and of course many of these are lifetimes worth of work um, over the years. Uh, there, Swami has a number of these daily books, and I have not by any means 
devoted myself to every one of them, but several of them have been an integral part of my life over many years, so that I keep coming around to the same thoughts. And each time I come around to that thought, I have a little more energy for it, a little more clarity, a little more experience that I can magnetize it. So when we're trying to think about good manners, we have to go to the next step here, which is to take it back to its source. So what is dignity? What is respect for others? What is kindness? I was speaking of my friend who, who just had such a, a, an automatic assumption of friendship, which was just her nature. It was just, I love everyone. Everyone will naturally then love me. It's just this, this very easy... And regardless of, you know, how someone appears, whether he's a fruit seller on the street or uh, somebody who's waiting on you in a fine hotel or, you know, some high-level government official that you're, you know, meeting through mutual friends or whatever it might be, we're all children of God. And so that offering, in an appropriate manner, the, the right kind of respect, and, and dignity, dignity, which is, um, I mean, dignity is a very interesting word, and it appears repeatedly in what Swami has written. I'm, I'm actually finding myself stopping for just a moment, because it's a very deep concept, which is why I think Swami offers it very often, and not at all a modern one. I mean, nobody in our day thinks about dignity, and I dare say, in many aspects of life, a complete lack of dignity is, is really more what we see. The way people present themselves, the way they dress, the way they dance, sometimes the way they talk. And I, I'm not being disrespectful, I'm just observing. Dignity is not a popular quality right now. But, but keeping a, a, a constant sense of ourselves as children of God, um, enhances our ability to unite with others rather than taking it away. Because it gives us um, a deep point of origin from which to respond. In a sense, it's almost like we, we start with the causal level then. You know, I am a child of God. I am, I am Divine Mother's representative in this world, meeting all of my brothers and sisters, or all of her children, However we want, well, if we are brothers and sisters, we're all her children. And there's a greatness in that, that that does also awaken both respect and kindness from us. Meditate on these thoughts. They really will lead you to deep understandings from which everything else will follow. So Swami says, Good manners are innate. They are, reborn, they are born of respect dignity, and kindness. Customs vary from country to country and from place to place. For those who travel widely, it is impossible to keep abreast of every convention one encounters. Much more important than trivia like table manners are attitudes that ennoble the spirit. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.